oh, bless you, lovely hush. I'd just like to add my welcome and my thanks for coming out on a lovely August Sunday morning to, uh, to be with us to, to worship. Um, many of you all know we've got most of the youth are away at New Day. And I was, uh, I was a little bit worried that I might be preaching to myself this morning. And I've already heard it. So um, I'm so glad that you are here. Um, I'm going to speak from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. We, we are in week two of a series going through 1 Thessalonians, uh, which is a, a, an excellent book. And, uh, and Andrew quite rightly has said, we're not going to hurry going through this book. So um, I was given these five verses to, uh, to speak on. Um, I'd like to give a little bit of, uh, of context before we do that. Can you see that okay? Can you see the, uh, the picture? Um, Andrew mentioned last week, oh, that's good, that uh, this was one of the earliest letters, perhaps the first letter that Paul uh, wrote that, that got into the, uh, into the New Testament. And I think it's, uh, it's worth remembering that. You know, we, we always read Paul's letters, having read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John before, but these people didn't have those Gospels. They hadn't been uh, published. And sometimes we can uh, read afresh, can't we? When, we, when we think about what that context is. Um, Thessalonia, if you want to know is uh, between what is now Greece and Turkey. And uh, Paul visited them uh, in uh, Acts 16 and 17, particularly in Acts 17. He visited them on what's called his second um, uh, uh, apostolic journey, his second journey, which was about the year 50 to 52 uh, AD. So only less than 20 years after Jesus had died, been resurrected, and had gone to heaven. So uh, Acts 16, can you see me here, covers uh, kind of uh, uh, from Derby in the middle there in Cilicia. He wasn't allowed to go to what was called uh, Asia. He just went through Asia, and he ended up in, uh, in Philippi. And Philippi is, was, is quite a significant place. It's where he met and picked up Timothy, um, where this lady Lydia uh, appears, who was a, a real key person in the early church. And it's where the... Uh, do you remember they were put in prison and, Tim, and uh, Paul and Silas were singing to God and there was an earthquake and the jailer and all his family got saved. So from there, in Acts 17, he went to Thessalonica and he was opposed. They were called troublemakers. And so they, they, they escaped to a place called Berea. And in Berea, they really accepted the gospel. They loved to hear Paul. But... The, uh, the Thessalonian Jews, the people who had opposed him in Thessalonica, uh, went to Berea and caused trouble for him there. So they were called troublemakers. It is the Thessalonian Jews who made that famous statement, these are the people who've turned the world upside down. 
I'm very glad the world is upside down. I'm very glad that there is now a way to God when there wasn't before. So that's a bit of, a bit of context. Just before I, I move on, it's worth noticing here. If you can see Paul's journey through Syria, through Turkey, into Greece. That's the route that so many refugees have taken in these last few years. That They are following Paul's footsteps. And of course we, we pray, don't we, that so many of those refugees will find God. That their prisons will be opened. That they will, they will come to know God as they flee, as they follow St. Paul. So uh, one of those little islands is Lesbos, which is in the, uh, in the news all the time, isn't it? With, uh, with and pretty much that little route across the Mediterranean there is the route that refugees are still taking today. So that's a little bit of, uh, of context. I'd like to just read those uh, five verses. So uh, please read uh, with me. Um, all, the, all the verses were, are up uh, on, the, uh, on the monitor. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. We've been hearing about deep conviction, haven't we? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll cover that in a bit. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Need to look at the map again. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. So, uh, Sarah, can we have the next uh, slide? I want to just cover a few things from this. I actually want to take you backwards. I want to take you from verse 8 to verse 4. Because it talks about them being known. So, in the, just a, hopefully not too many minutes, I want to help us as a church consider what do we want to be known for? And how does this passage help us on our journey? Sorry, Sarah, we've come two slides. Can you just pop back one, please? Thanks. How does this help us on our journey towards getting there? Thinking about local church, what does it mean for local church? What does this mean to be imitators of each other? What's that all about? About our reliance on the Holy Spirit and his empowerment. And also on our journey, how do we stay genuine as a church? So I'm going to go backwards. Verse 8 describes an effective church. So what can we learn from them? And let's go back verse by verse. So Sarah, can I have verse 8? There we are. What do we want to be known for? Wouldn't it be great if 
somebody said that about us as a church. I believe it's important for us to be clear about our identity, our purpose, not to puff us up, not to say this is us, and also not to put others down, say actually we're better than you. That's, that's not what we are about at all. It's about declaring the message of the gospel and championing a faith to be clearly heard. So our vision, our mission, you know, as a church, those things are not about being proud. They're not about looking good on the outside. These two things here are actually what they're about. And just think about it. This is the essence of what the world needs. The message of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, mixed with faith in him. I'd love us to be known for that, wouldn't you? These things are under attack. These things are under attack in our society today. The message of the good news of Jesus Christ and faith in God are under attack. And we need to stand up for them. We need to stand up for them. So as part of our journey, we're setting out our vision, values and culture. Um, We've said... And I had to ask Andrew for the, for, the, for the right words. We've said that we want to be an apostolic people and resource base, seeing hundreds of lives, dozens of communities transformed, locally, nationally, and internationally. Isn't that in line with what we're saying here? We want to be, yes, the local church, but we want to have an impact for God on different levels, and we want to see, we want to be part of God transforming lives. And it's just wonderful. I love our baptism services, because every time we hear of how God has taken hold of a life and transformed it, and continues to transform. Bless you, Scott. Where have you gone? Have you gone out? Just brilliant to hear. He's there. Brilliant to hear your testimony of God transforming your life. And we all have a story to tell, don't we? So Andrew's uh, preached about our our core values, Bible-based, spirit-empowered, grace-filled. I'm not going to try and cover that again. You can listen to it. Um, And we recognize that actually as a a church, our culture is going to change. Um, And that's not something that happens overnight. That's going to take a while. And it struck me in preparing this that If we're not clear about who we are as a church, we can't expect other people to be clear about it. We need, need, as part of this journey, and all credit to our elders, in in starting to set out some clarity, or some, some more clarity about where we're going. Because we've opened the church up to church membership and, and... People need to know what they're joining. So how did the Thessalonians achieve this accolade from Paul in verse 8? 
Can we have verse 7, please, Sarah? We do have a clicker, but I can't get it to work. So, uh, bless her, Sarah is helping me. Short verse. So you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Paul is talking about them as a local church. Now, it says that in verse 1, so I can say that very, uh, very clearly. And called them a model. I just want to make a simple point about this verse. We can't have the kind of impact that it talks about in verse 8 on our own. We need to do it as church. So, so that to the you here, as verse 1 tells us, is not an individual person. The you is you as a church, the Thessalonian church. It's when we come together in unity with that heart commitment to each other that the world takes notice. Jesus prayed for this in John 17, didn't he? Uh, God's model for us is local church. God's model for us is to be unified that the world would know. Now, we've opened the church up to membership and people are still considering that. Lots of people have already signed up and I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to do that. Um, That's something we all have to prayerfully kind of consider. Do I have that heart commitment to be part of this, this church? However, I would wholeheartedly encourage you to join a a church. I'd I'd love it if it was this one. (laughs) Because this is the model that God has for us. And if you are a member of the church, in fact, if you're not, to be part of a life group. Not not just to look good. Not just so we can say, look, we've got loads of people in our life groups. But actually, it's really good for us. I just... uh, um, if you want to pray for the church any time, I'd encourage you to read John 17. Because that was Jesus' prayer for us. And you can just say amen to every verse. <laughs> and you've prayed an amazing prayer for the church. Uh, John 17 verse uh, 23 says, uh, Jesus praying for us, saying, I in them and you in me, in order that they may become one and perfectly united, that the world may know and recognize that you sent me and that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. Verse 26 of of John 17 goes on. It's just lovely. Jesus says, I have made your name known to them and revealed your character and your very self, and will continue to make known your love that you've bestowed on me and is in them. And actually, this is why we need local church. And do you know what? We're on this journey together, and we can all learn from each other, which brings me to the next in our going backwards Uh, passage which is verse 5b and 6 so Paul says that he lived among them and they became imitators of, uh, of them now I'd just like to stress here 
Imitate does not mean mimic. Imitation means to emulate, to copy, to model oneself on. Mimicry is about aping, caricature, mocking, making fun, parody, satire. We're not talking about that. (laughs) We're not talking about mimicking each other. We're talking about emulating uh, uh, one another and, of course, the the apostles and uh, Jesus himself. Um, Can we have the build-up on this, please, Sarah? I'd like, if you remember nothing else, just to take this in. Um, This uh, was a chap called uh, Graham Tomlin. Um, I read it as a quote um, in last month's uh, Christianity magazine, and it really struck out to me. I'll just read it. I'll just read it out. So this guy, Graham Tomlin, says in his book, we tend to change when we see a quality in someone else we admire and would like to emulate. And we learn to exercise that quality as we see someone else live it out. Embodied truth is much more effective than disembodied concepts. Just think about that for a sec. This is a key reason why we need to be active members of a church. I know there are kind of online churches now. I'm not too sure about that. I think if you, if you can't get out, that maybe that's a good thing. And indeed, I think most of them encourage you to be part of a local church as well. But we need to learn and pick up things from each other. Paul did this. He says so. And you can read it in Acts, in the accounts of his journeys. He didn't just kind of travel through, preach the gospel, you know, get a response and then go off again. He spent time with them. He would have liked to have spent more time in Thessalonica. Maybe that's why he wrote his his letter, because he couldn't spend much time with them. So we can imitate the godly qualities of our fellow members. We can, we can emulate what we see in our leaders, uh, the apostles who are over us, so within commission, who come to, to us. And when we go to, to West Point and things like that, we see how these people live and what they stand for and what their vision and their heart is. And of course... The whole New Testament is all about the teaching of the apostles, the original apostles, and of Jesus himself. Let's be imitators of them. Let's be embodied truth to each other. Isn't that a nice thought? We can be embodied truth to each other. Rather than just concepts, rather than just nice words. Paul says that, doesn't he, in this passage. And it's not just the nice nice stuff. It's not just all the fluffy, happy stuff. It's through the tough times. Through the tough times. Actually, that's when we build together, isn't it? Paul talks about that, and I'd, I'd encourage you, as part of this Thessalonians study that we're doing, read Acts 16 and 17, uh, 
to, to get that background. I could only give you a little flavour of it. So that then begs the question, are we being imitators of God, of Jesus, and of each other, and good role models? I say good because this works the other way as well, doesn't it? We can be bad role models to each other. As one of the older people in the church, that's me, am I living in a way that the younger ones would want to imitate? That's a question to myself. Am I being a good influence on others? So where should we, where should we start on this? You say, Peter, you know, great, sounds good. Well, there's a couple of things that this passage tells us that we can start at. I'd love it, particularly today, if we were message welcomers. Everyone's kind of thinking. Receive the message. Welcome the message. Receive it with joy, it says. Let's, let's receive these messages with joy. Let's, let's, let's take it in. The message of the good news. And also, let's be receivers of Holy Spirit joy. So if you want to be a good influence, there's a couple of things to start with. Be good receivers of the message and good receivers of the Holy Spirit's joy, even in suffering. And Andrew mentioned that. Now, I'd like to say one more thing, and time is, time is running, but again, something that I think is really important. Don't rule yourself out. Don't rule yourself out of being a positive role model. Sometimes people dis... I'm not sure what the word is. They disallow themselves from, from having a positive influence because they think of what they've done in the past. Well, we have good news, don't we? That he makes all things new. His mercies are new every morning. Don't rule yourself out of being a good role model and a good influencer. God wants to use you. Let's go back a bit more. The Holy Spirit's empowerment. God wants to use you. And there's even better news. He empowers you as well. When you receive the baptism of the Spirit, when you open yourself up to say, I'm going to stop trying to do all this myself now, Lord. I'm going to take your, your empowerment in my life. And I don't have to preach much of this bit because Neil and Mark <laughs> preach most of it. This talks about a deep conviction. And I tell you, church, I tell you, anyone listening still, Christianity is not just a, on the surface. It's not just a decision you make in your head about, yes, I agree with that or not. It's definitely not just Words, although of course we go back to the Bible as one of our core values as a church. In Acts, uh, it says people were cut to the quick. It's like, what does that mean? 
you know, cut to the quick, it's a funny old word. But what it means is something deep. In fact, Reg prayed for us uh, this, before we started this service. We, Reg prayed, Lord, we just prayed. This isn't just something that comes in the head, but something goes down. Have I, have I got that right, Reg? That was pretty much what you said. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that is deep, something that, that changes us and gives us that assurance that you cannot explain to people. You can talk with words to people. You can try and explain the gospel. You, you know, we all try to do that. But it's when God hits us in deep in our beings is when things change. I'd love us to do a final song, if you don't mind, uh, in, in a minute. And I'd, I'd just love us to give a heart response back to God as we, as we do that. And please don't go away. If, if, if any of this has hit you, we've got one more verse. But if any of, it, of this has hit you this morning, please ask for prayer. The elders are here. Please, you know, if, if that, oh no, this is just words to me. Oh, God wants to do something deep inside you this morning. Um, He wants a heart response from us, not just words back to him. And his Holy Spirit is our helper. So, final verse, verse 4. Thank you, Sarah. What's it all based on? How did the Thessalonians get to that point? Well... There's four things in this verse that I just want to leave you with. I'm not going to try and explain them or expound them. I don't have time anyway. We need to make sure it's not just business-like. You know, oh, we've got a mission and vision. That's what businesses do. We want, to stay, we want to stay genuine on our journey together. And there's four things. For we know. I've really talked about that. A heart knowledge, a deep conviction. We know We're not going to get waved. We're not going to get rocked. We know. The second thing is family. We're brothers and sisters together. That's how we stay genuine. You're pretty genuine with your family, aren't you? Yeah. We know we're loved by him first and his love flows through us. And last of all, we're chosen. Now, we're called. Everyone here is open to the call of God. You're not excluded. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says that he wants everybody to be saved. Nobody is excluded from God's grace. We will be one day, but that day has not come yet. We're going to sing a final song. Let's celebrate together that knowledge, our our family together, the fact that he loves us. Please uh, come back up. And if you'd like prayer, um, I'm supposed to be playing as well. That's not very well organized, is it? Um, If you'd like prayer, I'll stay here for a minute. If you want me to pray for you, but it doesn't need to be me. Please come up. The prayer team are here. The elders are here. We'd love to pray for you as we finish this service, after which there'll be teas and coffees and time to fellowship together. Amen.
It's true, Father. You are. You're wonderful. We are so satisfied and content in you. We will worship you with all that we have. We say, be glorified in, in, in and throughout our lives. Receive the adoration of our hearts, the worship of our lives. For your glory, for your honor, Lord Jesus, for your worthy of everything we've got. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, band, as well, for how you've led us in our time of worship. As Peter said, refreshments are going to be served. I do feel there are people here who need to respond to what Peter's brought and also to those words which were brought earlier. If that's you, please can I encourage you, don't just rush on to the next thing. If you'd love somebody to pray with you, we've got folks available who would be delighted to pray with you and stop. Just make your way to the front so everybody else goes and gets their coffee and we'll be here for you. Thank you.